welcome back, everybody. We've got a we've got a fairly familiar face, actually. Um, roll the clock back, probably nearly twelve months to the day. Um, Bob and I were sitting in an office in Kings Cross with a lot less money in the bank and a lot less people. Cool. So I'm Bob. I'm a software architect. Pleasure. Um, I'm currently working for Kazoo. Okay. We are a used car startup from the UK. Yeah. Um, we're launching in a few weeks and hopefully by this time next year, your mum and your nan will have heard of us. <laughs> That's the plan. Okay. What's Kazoo's mission? Cool. So Kazoo's mission, I mean, it literally says it on the top of our stationery, I think. Kazoo's yeah. mission is to transform the way people buy used cars okay. in the UK. Um, so right now, uh, the used car market is characterized by sort of low trust okay. and poor convenience, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a joke people have, which is whenever I say, you know, I'm working for a used car startup, they sort of look at you and go, are you a used car salesman? <laughs> and that says everything. Right? That tells you right. everything you need to know about yeah. the industry, but it's yeah. like a joke even to be in it. Yeah. Um, so right now, if you want to buy a car, you've got sort of two routes. Okay. If you know exactly what you want, mm-hmm. then you look on Auto Trader or Hey Car. Yeah, of course. There's one guy in Glasgow who's got one. Okay. But you're not going there, so you get the next best thing, and that's in Birmingham, but at least you can get there and back in the day. Yeah. Or if you don't know what you want, you just go to a dealership. Yeah. And they've got like 30 cars on a forecourt. And at some point, you're going to drive one of these cars around, and you're not a mechanic, so you don't know what you're going to look for. Yeah. And then eventually, you pull the trigger, and you have to go in an airless room with some shiny-suited lizard person who wants to upsell you <laughs> because his commission is coming off the finance, right, and the insurance, and the tire cover, yeah. and the exhaust or the add-ons. Yeah, so exactly. just piles it on. Yeah, you don't want any of that, right? So um, it's horrible. People hate it. Yeah. So what Kazoo want to do instead is. Um, we're not like a listing site. We own right. all of our stock. Okay. We have about 1,500 cars yep. at launch. You go to the website. Yep. Um, we've put one of our cars through a 150-point uh, inspection process okay. so you know that they're good quality. You yep. choose a car. You buy it just like you buy any e-commerce product. Yep. Three days later, we'll deliver it to your house. Yep. If you don't like it, then within seven days, you can return it. No questions asked. Four money back. Okay. Um, so my mate bought one during the private beta, and he returned it because... I think on day three it rained, and then he realised that the windscreen wipers made a really annoying slapping noise. And that and was from that, point, that was it. From that point on, everything about the car just needled him, right? Right. Okay. And that's the kind of thing you don't get from a test drive. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. So you know, he returned it, and it was all good. So a fully integrated mm. Deliveroo for cars. Basically, yeah. So we own the stock. We've refurbed them, so you know it's not going to be crap. Yeah. Uh, we'll bring it to your house, and we'll look after you. Cool pitch. So we're going to do Kazoo 2.0. And we're going to find out a little bit about what's happening over the last year. So, Bob, say hello again. Um, talk to us a little bit about the last 12 months. Well, obviously, I'll break that down. But I guess introduce what's happened over the last, what, month, two months? What's been going crazy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it has been pretty crazy. Hello again. Um, nice to see you. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's been pretty wild. Um, so over the last couple of months, we've just closed a, um, a Series D round. So that um, I think we raised another, I can't remember, $400 million or something ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. So the valuation is now north of $2.5 billion. Um, we are still hiring. If you're out there, if you're engineers, please do send me CVs because we're out hiring aggressively. Um, and yeah, really just kind of going from strength to strength. It's been uh, interesting. We keep seeing kind of more record breaking days in terms of sales. Um, so I think every part of the business is kind of flat out. 
Okay. Uh, honestly, I've lost count how many, well, you said Series D. Um, obviously, that puts things into perspective. But in in the summer of this year, I saw another funding round and I thought it was a existing article already. Um, I'm seeing it go bonkers. So yeah. I guess you obviously have to keep some things conf- confidential. Um, I respect that. Talk to us a little bit about maybe about what that funding's for. You know what? I don't actually know. So the um, thing about Kazoo is it is it is a founder-led business, um, very much so. Like Alex Chesterman knows what he wants, and he does tell people eventually what he's thinking, but he keeps his cards quite close to his chest. So I think the last time we did a big funding round was um, we knew we wanted to launch these Kazoo customer centers, but they're now opening across the UK. So I think we'll have, um, I don't know, some 50 sites by the end of next year or something. Wow. You can go in, you can like you can get your vehicle service and you can do part exchange and you can like pick up a car if you don't want to get it delivered to your house. That's what we're doing there. Wow. Um, and as part of that, obviously, we bought Imperial, who were a, yep. a car supermarket. This round of funding, I yep. don't know what we've got earmarked for it, in all honesty. Okay. Um, That's cool. Whenever I have to just say, it's nice to have a war chest, you never know what use we'll find for it. So I'm expecting some surprises. Nice. Where were we? October last year and uh, I appreciate we are pretty much freestyling this so no pressure but Mm -hmm. where were we or where were you guys up to going through your first release I remember the conversations first release we had to keep things on the low for a couple of weeks don't spoil it as in all in one what's happened since then but talk to us about some of the changes yeah, I guess the changes really since then. Is that when we last spoke? October. Yeah, it's pretty um, scary, isn't it? That is scary. So um, shortly after that, we launched. So we did public beta, I think, in October, mm-hmm. um, and then proper launch in December, and then kind of advertising at the beginning of the new year. Yeah. Um, and then things started to go crazy, right? So um, I did a talk for uh, might be Talent Point, like a okay. ZHQ about um, kind of how we'd cope with scaling. Yeah. And um, that's been a lot of fun. Um, for the most part, things are more or less the same in terms of technology. So we're still um, fully serverless, except for some stuff we got when we bought Imperial Car Supermarkets. Yeah. Uh, another time. Um, still TypeScript, still uh, very much reliant on EventBridge, still kind of you know doing that kind of serverless event-driven architecture thing. Yep. The, I guess the things that we are really doing now, sort of 18 months old, is we're now trying to understand we've got something that works and you know people are buying cars like we've proved the model how are we going to scale this to 10 100 times its current size um which i don't even want to think about how much like revenue that'll involve but that's the plan uh for us to do that you know what does that actually look like so we're really now sort of talking about the second iteration of a lot of these systems yeah how we want to change the boundaries that we introduced in the first place in theory have conversations started about what that might look like or how you do that? Um, a lot of it, a lot of what I'm thinking about at the moment is these kind of uh, fundamental capabilities. Okay. So we've launched in kind of typical scrappy startup style, just bigger, yeah. um, where you write a lot of software that you think might work and you throw a load of stuff at the wall and you try to make some money. And you kind of learn while you're doing that what your business process really looks like and where the gotchas are and where you need to pay attention. 
And so now what we're talking about is building out these kind of fundamental systems that we need. So one of those is like an order management system that will manage the life cycle of a customer's uh, journey through Kazoo. Okay. Um, one of those is like inventory management, so doing a better job of you know, understanding where all our cars are and the refer process and that kind yeah. of stuff. One of those is logistics and doing a much better job of you know, planning and optimizing kind of how we move cars around the country. So these are quite fundamental things. Yeah. And we have some systems that do them now, but they're nowhere near uh, rich or clever enough to kind of get to that scale. I can remember actually talking about some of those points um, last October, which I appreciate. Yeah, year ago, probably not much has changed in truth. Okay, nice. Talk to, talk to us a little bit about, I guess, raising serverless mm-hmm. and accelerating serverless in teams within, I guess, or, or trying to help people understand, okay, what is serverless? What's the business case for it? How do we best use it? Has that been tough? Um, internally, not really. Um, I think that it becomes like water, right? Like once if you like, you know, fish don't really talk about water because that's just what you're swimming in. Yeah. I think at Kazoo Serverless is it's like water. It's like it's the obvious thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was recently looking at doing my um, AWS Solutions Architect, and all the questions about you know like running servers and managing databases and firewalls and stuff and i don't do any of that stuff um, i've forgotten all of this stuff um so i think it, it becomes quite natural um and it's quite difficult when you're talking to people about it because they'll raise all of these things that they think are big objections about why you right. couldn't possibly do it and you're like well i've already done that and actually it works quite well and it's actually quite boring once you're using it and then the technology now is you know five years old it's not um, we kind of passed that initial hype curve. Okay. I think now we're starting to see um, kind of wider adoption uh, and kind of a broader range of use cases. Why do you think companies aren't adopting it at the moment? I think the major reason is that it is a fundamental shift in the way you deliver software. Right. Um, so with Docker, you could take the thing, you'd, you could take your PHP monolith and you could stick it in a Docker container and you could just ship it to the cloud and you were done. Yeah. And with VMs, you could take like your PHP monolith and you could stick it in a VM and you could ship it to your data center and you were done and so on. Like for the last, like, however long, 15, 20 years, however long it is, there's been this model of I'm going to build this big application and I can just ship it as a complete artifact. And serverless breaks that. Okay. Um, in order to use serverless effectively, you need to re-architect those systems into small components that communicate through message passing. And I think most people hadn't done that work. Um, And if you have done that work, then serverless is a perfectly natural thing to do. But if you've not seen systems that are built that way, I think it's quite a cognitive jump. Okay. From I've got a monolith to I've got a thousand functions. Like, how do I, how does that happen? Okay. Um, Kazoo 2.0 is going to need a load of engineers, like you've said. So anyone who's listening, throw some CVs in. Okay, sensibly, but you talk about it's a mindset shift in terms of delivering software. If people are listening, I've said many a times on here, you know, we've got a thousand subscribers, 90% of people are software engineers. They are listening. What mindset are you looking for and do you calibrate for when you're talking to people? Good question. So, um, the things that I would look for 
um, in engineers we were hiring prior exposure to uh, kind of event-driven systems or message-oriented systems. If you've done some kind of CQRS or you've built things where you're kind of you know, shuttling messages around on RabbitMQ or you've played with Kafka, that kind of stuff, where you're doing messaging, that's a really uh, foundational component, I think, of serverless as a kind of idea of message passing. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, um, we look for a commitment to DevOps culture, is I think really important. Yeah. Uh, we don't have an ops team. So our dev teams own their stuff in production and we're trying to work with them to get better at that kind of operational practice, kind of you know, through better observability and through kind of more reliable deployments, get to the point where they can look after stuff in production they don't need handholding. Um, so that's a challenge. So kind of experience of DevOps culture and of kind of cloud technologies and message-oriented systems, I think, are the big things. Nice. Okay. And you touch on the observability part. I think we were touching on that previously. And you mentioned that can be a challenge. What? Why is that a challenge? And again, is it maybe a mindset thing for some engineers? If they haven't had to do that and think about what what dashboards, etc. do we want to create or what do we want to see from what we're building? Yeah, it's a lot like the so a lot of the conversations I have with people about DDD is that most engineers have never seen observability done well, and so they don't know what they're missing. And it's sort of like trying to describe blue to a, to a blind person, right? But um, good observability means that you can ask questions about a system that's running in production. Okay. And so when something new happens, when someone pops up and says, you know, why is this thing happening? Why is this product out of stock? You can actually go to your system and you can start interrogating it and asking questions. Um, that's not dashboards or like monitoring CPU usage. That is the ability to understand the current state of the system or previous states of the system from inspecting its external outputs. Um, and I think that's the thing that you don't really get until you've seen it working well. And then when you've seen it working well, you're hooked. And you're like, I never want to deliver software again unless I can do this thing because it's made such a huge difference to me. Okay, that's pretty interesting. Do you see a lot of people do it badly? Like I probably just explained and dashboards, etc. Um, I think the, I think there is a burgeoning observability community. Um, okay. I think that you know people like charity majors have kind of really pushed on this, and it's kind of through the DevOps community and the testing community, I think it's um, becoming a much more visible part of like, the technology landscape. Okay. But I think that until, I think that until quite recently, when you talk to people about, you know, monitoring, they were thinking in terms of, you know, I've got a dashboard and I'm just looking at CPU usage or numbers of requests or whatever it might be. And I think really what changed was um, the rise of Elk as a uh, store for logs because once you've got that once you're able to search large amounts of log data mm-hmm. then you start talking about you know structured logging when you start doing structured logging and you're including all of this context about what's happening and you can do much richer things in terms of recording events that's when you start to see oh i can pick out patterns in this data or i can now index my data in such a way that i can ask questions and say how did you end up in this state um, and that's really, it's about being able to drill deeper it's, than just seeing metrics. I think a lot of people still equate observability with metrics. That's right. not what it is. It's about being able to delve into states. 
Okay. Have you learned more about doing observability better at Kazoo or did you know this stuff previously? And, and think, that's what you're driving. I think this stuff I learned at Made. Um, and actually at Kazoo, I've not been able to implement it as fully as I would like just because everyone's so busy all the time and you know I have very limited hours in the day. Um, I think Kazoo is still behind the curve in terms of where I'd like it to be Okay. Um, in observability. Okay. Um, Nice. Okay. What have you learned over the last year? What have I learned? Most of what I've learned, in all honesty, is for the first time, I'm not really a hands-on engineer. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is Kazoo is so big and so sprawling that I can't write that code. And if I try, all I'm going to do is go and blunder in for 20 minutes and like write some code and I'm going to get pulled off and some poor schmuck is going to have to like fix, fix my fix mess. Fix what Bob built. Yeah, exactly. And I, I did a lot of that at Made because it, it would be even worse. So I don't want to do that. So a lot of what I'm um, learning really is how do I build an effective technology organization such that each part of it knows what they're trying to do and isn't tripping over all of the other parts. It's more about kind of people and those socio-technical boundaries that we talk about a lot these days in the DDD community. It's about people and communication and collaboration more than it is technology. Uh, from a technology perspective, it's been uh, serverless and changing my mindset to think serverlessly rather than you know, the stuff I'd done previously, which is you know, also a big learning. Okay. W what have you learned on, I guess, the people impact? Or what, what do you think you've learned? Or what stands out for you over the last year? And it's been a big year. It's been a big, big year. Um, I guess the thing that I've learned, um, when I was a younger engineer, um, I That's was very... That's a scary much, thought. It is a scary right. thought. But I was very much of the thought, you know, like hierarchy is bullshit. You don't need that. Um, you know, we should be able to just have, you know, like a flat organisation. Uh, kazoo has definitely cured me of that particular illusion um, okay. because because it's so big and because there is so much um kind of orchestration required like it just wouldn't work so that's kind of the big thing i've learned actually is the value of management and <laughs> of good management um yeah i think a lot of it is quite context specific right so I think the things you learn when you're working on a large system are about the nature of that one system, and it's hard sometimes to transpose those to another context. So like the things I've been learning are selling cars is difficult for okay. a bunch of reasons, and those reasons mean that you can't treat selling a car like you would selling a sofa. Yep. Um, so selling a sofa is fairly straightforward. Like You have a sofa, someone pays you some money, and then... You send it to their house. Yeah. Um, buying a car turns out not to work like that because there is only one car in the world that they bought, for one thing. Yep. And they break in lots of interesting ways. And there's lots of bits of paper that you have to send around and like charging cables and USB cars and things that go with them. And there's finance deals that are secured against it and a whole bunch of complex crap. That means it doesn't actually work like e-commerce in the way that maybe 12 months ago we thought it was going to. Yeah, okay. Um, that's why now we're talking about this order management system and all these things that we need because we've learned so much about the domain.
Yeah, yeah, and this is going back to what you said probably minute five about order management, your inventory, some of the logistics. So in your head, you're, you're building software for what you think the software's purpose is for, right? And you mm-hmm. think it will just work just swimmingly like that. What's the oh shit moment where you realize you've, you're building it wrong or it needs to look very different? And and how yeah. how do you find that out? It's more a sense of creeping horror, I right? Think, okay. than, than a light bulb moment. Is it? Um, okay. So, like shit, were, that, the fulfillment yeah. process doesn't happen like that. It happens yeah. like this. Yeah, things come up, and you're like, "Oh, we have this problem where both of these teams need to make need to work together to change this thing because." They're, they're coupled in this weird way that we didn't anticipate. Or, yeah, exactly like that. The fulfillment process doesn't work like that. Actually, it turns out when they are valeting a car, they don't do it like that because they can't carry the tablet into that part of the place. So instead, they've got a pen and paper. Then they take a photo of the paper at the end and upload it to someone and she types it in for them. That kind of stuff. You go, huh, we got that wrong. Right. That's not what we thought they would do. Yeah. Um, and... I think these things kind of accrete over time. And then that's when all of a sudden you get the moment where you go, oh, hang on. I know what we need to do differently. You need to drop all of that nonsense and build this other thing that solves all of those problems. And then it seems really obvious in retrospect. Yeah. And you're like, of course, that's what we should have done. That solves all of these problems and makes so much sense. But you couldn't see it until you'd learned all of those hard lessons, I think. Is, is there a big focus on UX for you guys? Like just out on the forefront, like understanding what is actually going on? What are our customers doing? How are they buying? Um, yeah, there is actually. I think Kazoo does a really good job of doing user research with our customers. Uh, so we've got a really good UX team who do a lot of kind of interviews where they kind of you know, walk people through the process and find out where their pain points are. That's just really great. The stuff that we do out in the field, like at the refurb centers where we're kind of you know, re- re- repairing all the cars, that's harder to do user research on. Yeah. Uh, but in some ways, I think more critical because I think that's that's the area of the business where Kazoo can compete and can differentiate themselves is on doing those kind of you know unit economics better. Like, can we refurb better? Can we deliver better? Rather than on the website where, yes, we want to make it usable and we want it to be you know trustworthy and simple and all the rest of it. Yeah. But that's, I think, not where we'll compete against our um, kind of newly emerging competitors. Nice. Okay. Um, before you love us and leave us, uh, like we've said a couple of times, you're looking for loads of people. What What is almost your sales pitch? I know you don't know what's to come, um, but maybe you know some bits of what's to come in Kazoo 2.0. Um, but maybe what's your sales pitch for people listening as to why they should go and join on top of serverlessly stuff and trying to do observability better and yeah all that good stuff so you know as well as all the you know serverless and devops and all that kind of modern stuff it is the fastest moving business i not just that i've worked at that i've ever seen um i think we hold the world record for um first year revenues um of any company anywhere on the planet Wow. Uh, we are north of two and a half billion dollars in valuation after you know eighteen months, and we're not slowing down anytime soon. So there's a lot to do, and there's a lot of autonomy to do it. 
Um, I just need you know, smart people who want to get on and fix things so that we can do all of this stuff that we need to do for us to achieve our ambitions. Okay. Here's a tip. Follow Bob the Mighty. He hasn't included this, but he loves people with clean code as well. That's true. Um, Bob, pleasure for a quick follow around. Thank you. I'll let you get back to kids and everything else. All right. Back to the new normal. That's it. You enjoy, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, thanks for watching this episode. Uh, Massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks, guys.